With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See Metro by T-Mobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Bench. My name is Jameson Hartso, and this is Off the Bench. I've been away for a little bit, uh, but I'm really, really, really glad to be back uh, here at Off the Bench. I'm really excited. Uh, as always, I'm along with uh, co-host um, Hayden Joyner. And, uh, you know, we're here on XLR, Lander University Radio, and uh, I am so pumped, so pumped to be back here uh, and uh, just to talk sports. We're a sports talk show. That doesn't mean just football, not just basketball. It's all sports, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, but we're always here from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, we're on, um, at, we've got our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at um, Off the Bench XLR on all the social medias, Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and whatnot. Uh, we're all on there. And uh, if you miss a show, just catch up there, and uh, we'll have tweets and uh, pictures and whatever uh, clips from the show uh, on our Instagram, Twitters, and Facebooks. Um, uh, just a really, really cool opportunity here that Lander's given us. Uh, but uh, we're off the bench, and we love to talk sports. And uh, speaking of talking about sports, uh, you know, there's a sport uh, in this world, uh, and it's called NASCAR. Uh, NASCAR is a sport. Uh, yes, it is cars driving really fast in a circle, and that's a sport. Uh, but it's a really interesting sport. I'm I'm really passionate about NASCAR. Uh, not you don't see too many uh, too many guys um, interested in NASCAR. But uh, I'm down here. We got I'm, a lot I'm, of fans. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm re- I'm really interested in NASCAR. But uh, there's been some really really big news. So as if you may not know, NASCAR is. Uh, it is probably the longest season in any professional sports, and it has, and that's going to cause a, the shortest off season uh, and uh, in in sports. And so, uh, NASCAR always begins uh, in the month of February, uh, depending on how the calendar falls uh, on what exact date. Uh, but this year, uh, it was supposed to. To begin, the Daytona 500 uh, is one of the most prestigious events to win in NASCAR, if not the most prestigious. The second best thing to win is the championship. All the guys really want to win the championship, and then the Daytona 500. Uh, but um, the defending national, uh, the defending NASCAR champion Kyle Busch. Um, uh, in 2019, they came into the 2020 season uh, looking for high hopefuls in the Daytona 500 uh, and still yet to win his first Daytona 500. Uh, but it took a legendary guy named by the name of Dale Earnhardt Sr. 20 times to win the Daytona 500. Daytona 500 is the uh, is one of the fastest track on the circuit that they run. Uh, it's very, very fast. It causes uh, big wrecks and... Um, 
and it's always intense. And, you know, if you watch NASCAR, you know that at Daytona, and there's a speedway down in Alabama called Talladega, there's always what they call is the big one. Mm-hmm. And they're referring to, like, the big wreck that happens um, in um in NASCAR and those races, but Daytona 500 is the probably the most prestigious win, and um, it's got so much hype going into the very first race. It is always the very first race coming into the season. Uh, it's and they call and they're there for uh, over a week, probably a week and a half or so, and they call the the that week and a half uh, called Speed Weeks. And so this is it's this Daytona 500 is the most different race. It's completely different than any other race on the circuit. They qualify. Qualifying is how you get your starting position on the day of the race, and they practice, and there's just so much going on in Daytona 500 and the start of a new season. Uh, however, uh, this this year's Daytona 500 was scheduled to be raced on Sunday, February 16th. Well, it was canceled. Uh, it was canceled due to rainy weather. They got in 20 laps, and then the rain started coming, and NASCAR does not race in the rain, and so they, they postponed it till Monday at 4. Uh, very, very good race. Excellent race. There was a lot of speed. Uh, you know, there was a lot of drafting and drafting. And at Daytona, they do a lot of restrictions against the cars for, for aerodynamics. Uh, and so that's going to – that causes cars to bump each other and push each other um, – um uh to get to get faster and faster because there's so much speed at these tracks they want to um they want to slow down that speed so they put uh restrictions on these cars to slow, to, to catch more air if you will uh but anyways Let's get to the elephant in the room. Uh, Ryan Newman, uh, on the last lap, was leading. They passed Denny Hamlin uh, for the white flag. Ryan Blaney was pushing uh, Ryan Newman to the to the lead. Um, You know, and and they come around the the turns three and four. Uh, They get uh, to uh, Denny Hamlin, and they're coming into the trioval, and that's just a part of the racetrack. And right, that's where the start finish line is. It was on the final lap. And uh, Ryan Newman was shoving, was shoving Ryan Newman, was shoving Ryan Newman. So Ryan Blaney was shoving Ryan Newman uh, to the win, and uh, Denny Hamlin was right there. Denny Hamlin won the race, but before Denny Hamlin took the checkered flag, Ryan Newman was bumped the wrong way. And in NASCAR, if you get bumped the wrong way, uh, you're and especially at Daytona then you're going to go turning, and you're going to be wrecked. And so uh, Ryan Newman uh, took a hard right turn into the outside wall. And the air caught under his car. He flipped over, I think it was about twice. Mm-hmm. He landed on his roof, and then his car got turned around to where his window net was facing an oncoming car uh, going full speed, approximately 200 miles an hour, and got hit right on his driver's side window net. And so that is right where his head was. Uh, there was a very traumatic wreck. Fire um, was was uh, had to be let out, uh, but it was very very big, um, and it was a very very traumatic race, uh, and especially ending. It was a very somber uh, victory lane where Danny Hamlin was. Ryan Blaney was really 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 sad, and he felt really bad. He was ter- he was really 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 hurting. Um, and Corey LaJoy is the guy who hit him. Just, I mean, that stuff happens in NASCAR, that, no. and it's, so he he hit him straight on, um, and um, you know, 
no one knew what happened. We're watching it and watching. We're like, all right, when is he getting out? And so they let out the flames. Um, they tore, pulled over his car, and and next thing you see was these these screens coming up around his car, uh, black screens, so fans and media cannot get a good picture of what's going on because you don't know. No one knows what's in the race car. I mean, you hate to say it, but it could be blood, yeah. broken bones. So you just you risk privacy for Ryan Newman. Um, so no one saw it, and it was the first time I've ever seen Fox Sports and Fox NASCAR. Um, to I mean, just it was very very sad and a somber. Uh, one for in a somber Daytona 500. It just brought back memories of that 2001 Daytona 500 uh, with uh, Dale Hart Sr. And just really everyone was crushed and man, it's so sad. But anyways, uh, we finally got word. Uh, he was uh, immediately rushed to the hospital. Um, did not even go to the care center at the racetrack. He went straight to the hospital and no one had a word. No one knew. We knew that he had to get extra extricated from the car and that they had a cut up in the car and where his head was it was literally crushed in um so luckily um you know he's he's uh good now and at 10 p.m uh monday night they nascar alerted everyone that uh ryan uh ryan newman uh was in serious condition and uh but his injuries are non-life-threatening and so that was really really good news uh, 24 hours later, uh, we were alerted that uh, Ryan Newman was, uh, this was yesterday, Ryan Newman was alert, speaking, and awake, uh, to talking to doctors and family. And then today, we found out that Ryan Newman was walking up and walking around, joking with his da- daughters. And um, and then just a couple hours ago, he has been released from the hospital. So he was walking around and everything. And it's so, so crazy. Six days ago, his wife had announced that they were being separated, that they were going to be separated. They were still going to raise their daughters jointly, uh, but she posted it on Twitter that they were going to be separated and um, that uh, they were there. And what whatever comes forward, they're going to take on. Uh, but I think this is just a sign from God that, uh, you know, I think this is going to be a turning point in their marriage. And um, but anyways, his wife was on a vacation um, on Monday and NASCAR sent a plane down to go pick her up and bring her to Daytona. Uh, so it was just a really scary, scary moment. And we oftentimes forget that NASCAR is is you're just going to be safe no matter what. Well, it's still a dangerous sport. And so we just thank the Lord. He answered a ton of prayers uh, that um, Ryan Newman is okay. He's good. So he's walking and he everything is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. If, I mean, it's it's a great thing to think about, like just the safety systems that are in place in these um, in motorsports nowadays, NASCAR especially. F1's really up there when it comes to uh, safety equipment. Because F1, I mean, you're, you're open-top racing. You have no really barriers. So F1's like one of the top ones there. GT3 racing, all that kind of stuff is really good nowadays in safety equipment. And, I mean, if anything was on Ron Newman's side this past, like during the Daytona 500, during this race, anything on his side, it was luck pretty much. Because, I mean... You see a car get put up into the fence, turned around, then get impacted in the driver's side door like like you said he did. It's it's a really scary moment. And, I mean, you watch that. I mean, I saw clips of this crash in slow-mo after it happened, obviously. I mean, they weren't showing too, too much on the live broadcast. But you go on Twitter and stuff, and people were showing their first-hand account videos from the pits, first-hand account videos from the stands, all that kind of stuff. And you see you see clips of when... Uh, 
when Ron Newman gets impacted right on the driver's side window, the uh, just the whole roof of his car just caves directly in. The side of his car caves directly in onto the driver's side. And so that is, I mean, obviously just the way NASCARs are shaped and stuff, it's not normally going to happen where you're going to have a complete head-on collision on that side, especially upside down on your roof, which, I mean, if anything's the most vulnerable part of a NASCAR, it's the roof because that's the side that's not going to get impacted the most. But it's certainly lucky to see Ryan to see Ryan Newman uh, up and walking again in the in the uh, in the hospital with his girls. That was definitely a good thing to see because that that report came out just a few hours before the show took place. It happened today, this past afternoon. Um, a lot of weird stuff happened this afternoon. I mean that I mean that was reassuring to see the whole Amari Cooper thing that happened on Twitter today about him getting shot. That was reassuring to see. So it's been a crazy day on Twitter, honestly. Yeah, it's it's definitely been um, a crazy sports year for sure. I mean, uh, it's been it's been very very unique. You know, something that no one saw coming uh, this twenty twenty uh, year. Uh, just with Kobe Bryant, uh, now what you what you said about Amari Cooper, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Newman, and NASCAR, the whole Astros uh, thing coming out, just yeah, crazy stories happening everywhere. Everything nowadays. everything is everything is just it just seems like everything's just spinning. And it's just like nobody can stop it, mm-hmm. um, and so. But uh, this world's a crazy place, um, and uh, you never know what you're going to get. Um, uh, but uh, you know, Hayden, <laughs> uh, NBA All Star Weekend happened this weekend. Yeah, if there's one uh, salvage from the craziness, it's yeah, the All Star Weekend. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's always such a fun, fun time uh, to experience and watch. It's just you watch these guys that compete week. In, day in and day out uh, on the basketball court, you get to see them take a break and relax and have some fun and um, get to show off their skills and laugh and joke around. That's always really fun to, for me to watch. And um, But my favorite part is the dunk contest. Yeah. I mean, how in the world uh, do they jump, get their hand up 12 <laughs> feet? You know, in, in everywhere else but NBA – it, the basketball goal length is, is 10 feet. Yeah. And the NBA is 12 feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just love watching. I mean, these guys, 12 feet jumping, 12 feet in the air. I mean, some of them, their heads are coming above the rim. And, I mean, just slamming this basketball. And that's just such an incredible uh, experience to watch. They're so good, so talented. Um, they're really, 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 really fun to watch. It's it's so amazing. It's probably one of my favorite parts about in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Uh, what's your take on Aaron Gordon's snub from the dunk contest? I mean, I mean contest, it was a great dunk. Uh, so all his dunks were great, yeah. and um, I mean, taking the dunk contest and just all of it in perspective, it is a great weekend. It's one of the best weekends. It's, the NBA, I think, does the um, does the All Star stuff the best of all the four major sports. So, uh, uh, the MLB is really close too. I love the MLB stuff as well, but the NBA just takes it to another level. I enjoy the, watching that stuff the most of anybody. And going to this dunk contest, man, it was just it. I was watching it live, and the whole time I was like, Aaron Jones, or Aaron Jones, um, Aaron Gordon's got to win this. He's got to be the one, because all his dunks were phenomenal. Derek, Derek Jones Jr. is doing great. I mean, they gave us a, um, they gave us a dunk contest ch- championship of the, t- the final round for the ages, back to the Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon one of just a couple years ago that happened. and Everyone was saying that one was the best one ever, and now this one gives it a run for their money. And between those two, those two dunk contests these past the past two that Aaron's Gordon been in, I've seen probably some of the best dunks I've done in my life, or I've seen in my life. Um, the best one ever, in my opinion, is Vince Carter's back in the day when he uh, went up and, like you said, he got his elbow in the uh, in the rim and he just kind of hung there for a second. That everyone was mind blown by that one because no one had ever seen something done like that before. And similarly, um, 
Aaron Gordon, man, just one of my favorite things about his dunks is, is that he just he's so fluid with it. He does things that and he finds creative way to get dunks that people don't usually see before. And like for instance, like the, my favorite, and I put it on my some of my social media, just my personal social media, was the one where he he had I don't remember who it was, but it was Chance the Rapper, or whoever, throw it off the side of the backboard, and he went up and just did a 360 windmill with it, and it was just so smooth. And I put this out like this is one of the best dunks I've ever seen. It was such a clean dunk. It was one of the best ones I've ever seen. And the fact that Derek Jones Jr. won this one, I I just don't believe it because Aaron Jones. Or Aaron, I keep saying Aaron Jones. Aaron Gordon just did a much better job of it, honestly. Um, and allegedly, the judges, which Dwayne Wade and some other guys on it, there's like five judges. They had originally said that, or after the fact, they said that when they were grading Aaron Gordon's final dunk, which ended up losing it to him, he ended up getting a, I think a 46, and Derek Jones got a 47. They gr- said they were going to allegedly make it a tie. They're originally going to make it a tie. They're go- both going to get 47, but someone gave him a nine when they were supposed to give him a ten, and so it gave Derek Jones Jr. the win. And that's just like, come on, man. And even the uh, even the announcer crew on the broadcast were saying this is this needs to be this deserves to be a tie. These guys were doing great, and the Aaron Gordon Zach Levine one from a couple years ago that deserved to be a tie too, and it, it's just insane. And and like a stat that I saw that like this really puts it in perspective is Aaron Gordon has eight perfect scores in all his dunk contests. Of all the ones he's done in, he's had eight fifties, which is the most of any uh, any player in history in the dunk contest, and he's won zero dunk contests. So if you could have the player doing the most fifty dunks and not winning a single dunk contest, then you know there's something wrong with the judging system. And I mean, I know it's all just for fun and games, but still, you need to get these right because Aaron Gordon's now come out and said he's not going to be competing in any other dunk contest. He said maybe the three point, but not the dunk contest. And I completely feel for him here because I think he personally deserves two uh, two dunk contest ch- championships or uh, victories, whatever you want to call it. But he's been snubbed out of not one, but now two of them. So yeah, I I, I I'm I'm going to go back to a couple years back. Uh, this guy is named Zach Levine. This kid can dunk mm-hmm. i mean absolutely phenomenal dunk um dunker if you will <laughs> uh but i mean there it was one dunk in particular um uh, he the his mascot i think it was i think it's the timberwolves uh the mascot was holding it up in the the basketball up in the air and he's probably with the with all the gears easily eight foot tall just just by you know all the all the gear that the mascots mm-hmm. and whatnot put on he jumped over the mascot, took the ball, and went under both of his legs and slammed it. Yeah. It was just one of the most phenomenal dunks. It was so clean. Absolutely phenomenal. That was and, one of the, that's um, what I was saying. One of the, like Aaron Gordon did that one, and that was one of the best ones I've ever seen. Because yeah, yeah. Aaron Gordon did that one, and that that one alone should have won him the thing. Zach Levine during that one, the one we're talking the, yeah. that dunk contest, Zach Levine was just hitting dunks off the free throw line, which is impressive in itself. But he had like one that was a windmill, one that was like through the legs and stuff. And so besides that, he was really just doing the same thing over and over again. And I was like, eh, that's not really it. And so I kind of felt the same thing with Derrick Jones this year. Derrick Jones was uh, he he I, I can't really describe it. He was doing just a lot of like bounce off three sixties and like just between the legs and stuff. And he did some impressive stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I felt like he just wasn't being original with it. With it, Aaron Gordon had like he jumped over Taco Fall, and Taco Fall is like seven six or something insane. And so that alone is impressive. People were saying that that should have won it for him because it was a clear. He was able to clear a seven six guy. So, I mean, like, they, like it, I think it was it was really a carbon copy of that Zach Levine, Zach Levine, whatever you say it, because Zach Levine and Derek Jones Jr. In my opinion, were doing the same kind of dunks over and over again with little with little variety, and Aaron Gordon was just doing stuff with more variety. I think he deserved it more. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's always fun to watch the um, uh, to watch the 
these dunk contests, man, mm-hmm. they're so interesting. They're so fun to watch. So uh, entertaining, in my opinion. Uh, but um, let's go down to uh, my one of my favorite sports and definitely my favorite team. Mm-hmm. You named it Clemson University. All of these people, all of them, all of these haters. When is Clemson going to play somebody? <laughs> when? When is Clemson? Well, all of the haters, they're finally going to get it. Uh, Clemson and Georgia agree on a deal uh, to play each other in the twenty, the very, very, very uh, begin the first game uh, of the twenty twenty one season, the season opener. Um, uh, they agree to play each other in Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, at Bank of America Stadium, where the Carolina Panthers play. Um, this is a, this is going to be a really good deal. Uh, it's going to be a really good market, a good money money maker. Uh, and uh, with that, uh, both teams are going to be cutting out a home team uh, from their home stadium. That a game that they would originally have played in uh, in their home stadium, they're going to now be play, They're going to now take those teams off uh, to be able to make this game work in uh, Charlotte. Uh, so this is uh, something I am so pumped about. I'm I'm tired of everybody coming up to me and saying, "When does Clemson play somebody? When is somebody Clemson gonna play?" Well, whenever Clemson beats Georgia, you know Clemson's Clemson's got the greatest class right now. I mean, they're the best uh, in my opinion, and I, I've got no bias or anything. But I'm just I'm just uh, you know talking. Um, unbiased right here or or anything like that uh but anyways uh uh, georgia is a very good very good team Uh, i'm so pumped that we're finally going to play them uh we're going to play somebody uh work with some uh with some meaning meaning behind it and i'm really excited and uh, i'm so i'm so tired of hearing people say clemson doesn't play anybody well we're finally going to get it you know clemson used to went i think about three to four years Went about a three to four year stretch on playing each other back to back to back, uh, and so and so they're finally going to bring back that little that little uh, matchup mm-hmm. uh, between the two teams. And Clemson and LSU will be playing. Uh, I can't remember there. There's a uh, what years what years it is, but they're going to do a back to back schedule. Uh, one at LSU, one's at Clemson. I'm not sure when, but down um, the line, yeah. somewhere mid 2020. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. And so I'm really excited to see Clemson uh, get some get some people on the schedule and uh, get these haters to to stop waiting. You know, next year Clemson is going to take on um, Notre Dame, and Notre Dame's got uh, was really good last not in 2018, really really good 2018, 2019 they fell off the 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 market uh, a lot, <laughs> uh, but. Um, this this year, you know, we'll see we'll see what Brian Kelly can mix up, uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited. We're going to play somebody. We're going to play Georgia. Uh, you know, so they're they're a pretty good team. If uh, if you watch college football, yeah, it makes you even more excited. Like y'all are already scheduled to play Georgia even more coming this next decade and a half, pretty much. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. You're scheduled to play Georgia in the 2024 season opener as well, and then you have a, a home and home contest in Clemson in 2029 and 2020. 2033 and you'll be playing in georgia in 2030 and 2032 so five matchups in the next decade and a half between um clemson and, and georgia so it's certainly 
will be interesting. I mean, honestly, if you think, I mean, if you think ten years in the future in twenty twenty nine, twenty thirty, the teams are going to be way different. One of you might be awful, one of you might be great, might both fall yeah. off a cliff, might still be the best. Because I mean, you think of ten years back in the past, you're talking about Texas, Texas, and USC, and all those guys being great, and now they're coming. USC especially isn't that good now, and USC isn't US University of Southern California. And yeah, Texas is always kind of iffy there, but they're they're always they're always around, maybe making a bowl game or two. But that's about it right now. But no, certainly interesting. I'm glad I'm glad y'all get a good opponent. It was interesting to see Notre Dame this year on the schedule. I'm, that, that's a good thing for all the Clemson haters to see, depending on how that game goes. I think I mean I've said this in the show before. I don't think Notre Dame's a super great team. They get some somewhat easier teams based on their conference as well. And under the big spotlights and the big games, they always fall flat. And so this is probably gonna be another game they do that against Clemson. If if it was if it was next season already, I'd still I'd predict Clemson to beat them by twenty. I honestly don't think Notre Dame's gonna put up a fight in that game. And Georgia this for this twenty twenty one season opener. So not this upcoming season, but the season afterwards. Um, real interesting to see in Charlotte. I don't know if you'll maybe get to go to that game. I mean, it's just right just about in two hours up the road from where we are here in Greenwood so certainly interesting maybe make a trek up there who knows yeah you never know off the bench might make a little might make a little <laughs> uh, little little Instagram Charlotte uh, uh, Charlotte meetup uh, in uh, 2021 you never know yeah. we might do a little live streaming at the Clemson uh, <laughs> Georgia game uh, I'm just kidding just kidding you never know though you, you never, never know, know. get a boost set up down there oh right? yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, you guys, you guys, you you were the ones who was going to um, uh, boost boost off the bench. So the more likes, the more follows, and the more um, shares. Especially, yeah. Man. Oh yeah, you Post guys. Post our stuff that's, somewhere else. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. Let it get us get us publicized. You know. You know. We're gonna make it big. We're gonna. We're going to create our own television network uh, oh, yeah. called. Uh, what is it going to be called? OTB. OTB. TV. OTB. OTBN, OTBN, yeah. Off the Bench Network. There we go. We're going to have an all sports uh, network. Uh, that's all. I'd, that's all dreams. Yeah, I'd, so, I'd love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my. Well, uh, some big news. Uh, some more college football news. Big news coming out of uh, Michigan State University's former head football coach, uh, Mark D'Antonio. Uh, this is some interesting, really interesting news. Uh, I didn't really know much about it until I saw the article. Uh, but there's evidence that has been submitted against Mark D'Antonio. Uh, Mark D'Antonio uh, was was the for, was was the head coach uh, for Michigan State uh, not too far back. Um, uh, but you know he they had a couple of good runs here and there. But recruiting violations, uh, s- some serious stuff. And and before I before I dive into it, I, w- I just want to talk about this. You know, it's so funny whether you're in sports, football, uh, whether you're in business, politics. I mean, just these little things that we think is just super small is huge in these uh, respective professions. Like, and they are, you can get some serious jail time, whether it's recruiting violations, like in this case of Mark D'Antonio, or whether it's a finance uh, violation in business or politics. Uh, just, I just want to make this a little quick side note. I just think it's really interesting how how the, you can get some serious uh, prison time from what we think as just normal civilians is something minor. I mean, in my opinion, like a recruiting violation, oh, that's just like what a five, like you know, like a tiny fine. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's, I think he can get some serious prison time uh, for what Mark D'Antonio and some court filings, uh, just depending on what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, back to Mark D'Antonio. I just want to make that little rabbit hole. Uh, but uh, this is really interesting, Hayden. Mm-hmm. 
right now, Mark D'Antonio is is fighting um, because there has been a pitcher. He lied. He lied in a testimony saying that he did not make any recruiting fractions um, and he did not uh, make a violation in recruiting. Um, however, today there has been a picture that has surfaced the Internet, <laughs> hence uh, the Twitter little uh, t- conversation that we've hit. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> right now, Mark D'Antonio has a picture on the Internet showing him where he made home visits um, to a, a, a potential uh, football athlete uh, from Michigan State um, in his recruiting process, and he made a home visit. And the the mom of the player um, uh, took took the picture of the athlete and uh, a couple of their coaches, and um, you know now it's going to be big. You know, there's an affidavit against him, and there is a picture right now against him uh, in the court, and it is filed. I think it was last week of the courts um, uh, filed against this. So, uh, really big news uh, in the I guess sports law world. Uh, but this is this is really interesting. Yeah, I'm about to definitely follow it the more it goes because I'm sure it's it's still early and stuff, and we're going to see what happens. But I mean. It, I, like you said, it's like this stuff seems so minor to like regular people, and I mean, I'll categorize myself as one of the minor people because I'm not in the business, I'm not in the politics. I really ignore all that stuff when it comes to anything outside of the sports world. But I mean, it, it, you're right. I mean, it, it does play a part, especially in the NCAA and with the recruiting and all that, because it's a major part of that. Recruiting is a big part of college football. It's basically you pick the players you want on your team and you try to get the best ones. So recruiting violations are always a thing that they pop up every off season. They see they pop up every off season. And whether someone commits fraud with it or they just do some kind of violation like this where they're visiting players or doing some, whether it's like inappropriate stuff with players, who knows? I mean, we throw back to like the Penn State stuff we talked about a couple episodes ago and all that. It just seems like every now and then it's, uh, there's stuff coming up. And that, it's really one of the reasons I, I'm not a huge fan of the college football offseason because these stories just come up so often. And like I said, I'm not a big fan of the business and politics of sports. I just kind of like the players playing and the coaches coaching and all that kind of stuff. So all these kind of minor stories about people violating stuff and players hitting other people and coaches touching people, it's all this weird stuff. I'm not a fan of that stuff, and so I'm definitely one to say I'm the outside looking in and this kind of stuff. I'm sure you, you pay more attention to this kind of stuff. So um, to me personally, it's just like I'm tired of seeing this kind of stuff, and I wish I, – I mean, I've said before, the NCAA has so such strict rules on things, and I mean, if he gets jail time for it, like so be it. That's just kind of what – that's what you're saying it's going to be, and I'm sure – I mean, there's, he's in court and stuff, so this is obviously a big a big deal right now. But I just think the NCAA kind of needs to back off in certain ways, but, I mean, that's up to interpretation. Yeah, and I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, you know, I think there's so many strict rules, and with it being transferring or or, or, or or recruiting or whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, but I, I do, I do think, I do think there's so many strict rules, and uh, the NCAA does have uh, really, really, as like that strict uh, helicopter parent, if you will. Exactly. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, it's it's so interesting. Uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, but you know, I, I like to follow up on it. You know, I like to still be in the know and still. Yeah. And I want I, I want our listeners to understand that like. Uh, what what everything that goes on in the sports world, and I that, that I think this is a part of, a big part of the sports world and a big big storylines uh, of what ESPN and uh, Fox Sports and uh, NBC Sports is, is discussing. So I think we should we should also discuss it as well. Uh, but hey guys, uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna take a short quick break now. Let me ask you. 
Don't leave. Don't leave. we got some big, big headlines coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about transferring. We're going to talk the draft preview of, what, of what's going to happen in the coming up draft. It's coming up shortly. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, Charlie Strong, if you guys are familiar with Texas, South Florida. He might sound like a familiar name. But, hey, guys, you're listening to Off the Bench XLR, Lander University Radio. Uh, we're so glad to have you listening. Stay tuned. We will be right back. We're going to take a short break. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be back. Hey guys, welcome back to Off the Bench. We're so excited that you guys are here listening to us and listening to us to talk and ramble on about sports. We're always so excited to have you on board and um, you know talk about sports. It's it's mine and Hayden's passion to mm-hmm. to discuss sports, talk about it, ramble on about it. I know some of you might not care, <laughs> uh, but uh, well, I hope you do. We we really do hope you do. But uh, we love sports. We love talking about it. We love. We love it. Uh, so we're so glad to uh, have you back on. If you're just now tuning in, uh, we'll, we'll recap a little bit about what we were talking about earlier. We talked about the NBA All-Star Weekend, uh, how Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, we talked about the dunk contest and whatnot. Then we talked about the big news in NASCAR. Uh, that is a sport, in case you didn't know. Uh, but Ryan Newman had a horrific crash, um, and so we we discussed that. and And he is good now. He is good. He's been released from from the hospital. Uh, and then we were talking about Clemson and Georgia set to face off in the twenty twenty one season, uh, alongside with the evidence submitted against Mark D'Antonio, the former Michigan State University head football coach. Um, uh, he was a he's a lot of a lot of allegations coming out against him, and so now we're going to talk about a little bit more college football. My passion, Hayden. Yeah, oh well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, like Kentucky football, it's a <laughs> yeah. All, yeah. Right, there you go, there you go. That's that's good. Um, but um, but we're gonna, let's talk about the NFL draft. Why don't you say? Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Tua. We've got Jess uh, Jeff. All right, and let's see if I can pronounce it. Okuda. Okuda. There we go. There yep. Go. Yep. Isaiah Simmons. Yes, sir. That's what I'm talking about. Justin Herbert. Uh, so we've got these guys, mm-hmm. really talented college football star athletes, and they're they're headed for the NFL draft. The NFL draft is something that is very special. Uh, really, really special. It's uh, really. Uh, really hard to make it in. You got to be top of the line, the best in college. Uh, this year's NFL draft is going to be Thursday. It's going to be starting Thursday, April twenty third, and that is next. Is that this Thursday? Let me, let's well, it's not this Thursday. April twenty third. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, February, yeah, guys. Still. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got about April, two okay. months. Two yeah. Months. All right. This is this is. <laughs> A very embarrassing moment. <laughs> I just know said Thursday, April twenty third, and I was thinking about February. Wow, I am. Uh, I, I've got to take a little breather right now. It's been a busy this, week. <laughs> uh, yeah, I cannot believe I just did that. Thursday, I just now said this coming Thursday. Wow. All right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that is not this Thursday. Uh, it's gonna be Thursday, April. All right, so t- this month is February. Next month is March, and then you got April. Uh, <laughs> Thursday, April twenty third is the NFL draft. And uh, it ends on Saturday, uh, April 25th. Um, and uh, that's going to be something really special. And However, the Combine, the combine starts um, coming up, th- is it? Yeah, February 23rd. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Sunday, February 23rd, uh, 2020, uh, to Monday, March 2nd, 2020. So that's whenever the NFL dra- um, Combine is, is through. Uh, but however, let's talk about this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tua Tagovailoa. Let's start with him. 
Tua is a very dynamic quarterback. He announced uh, last year, uh, at the end of last season, that he is going to be um, uh, going to be um, entering into the NFL draft, and um, he got hurt um, in uh, the Auburn game and really, really hurt uh, his ribs. And he's had a couple of knee injuries and injuries throughout his career. Um, however. You know, I know you have a big, a big uh, perspective on, you know, a mm-hmm. uh, big take on where you think these players are going to go because yeah. you're huge in the NFL. So let me ask you this, Hayden. Yeah. Tua Valoa, he can fit in a lot of places. There's a lot of court. There's a lot of NFL teams that need a quarterback. They need a good quarterback that can, that can take him, take him deep into the playoffs. You know, obviously they don't want him to take him to the Super Bowl the very first year. You know, that's a dream, but that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, to me. Tua Tagovailoa has a lot of body type similarities, and as well as uh, similar, just general similarities as Jameis Winston, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. And so, I J- right now Jameis Winston has been playing poorly. His very first touchdown he threw was a pick six. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the, his very first touchdown in his very first game, um, he threw a pick six uh, in his very first game. It was unbelievable, and so that's that's the part I think people fear is they don't want Tua to come out with his, all this hype from Alabama. You know, Jameis Winston. If you remember, Jameis Winston had a ton of hype mm-hmm. uh, heading into Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and so I think I think that's that's part where I come from. I I don't want I don't want the same thing to happen like Marcus Marietta. Marcus Marietta, incredible incredible season, mm-hmm. um, and is all at Oregon. And he's done nothing. He's done absolutely nothing um, for the Tennessee. A couple eight and eight seasons, Titans, nine yeah. and seven. You know, yeah. he won and, one playoff game against Kansas City. Yeah. I'll go give him that one. That was a good playoff game. That's and, about it. And so, I just, I don't, I don't understand what's going on right now with quarterbacks coming out of college and then abs- doing absolutely nothing. Now, I understand it's a very big leap, yeah. very big leap, and and it only takes special players to to be really good in the NFL. So. So these college quarterbacks that were so good, so excellent, so good, Tua Tagovailoa, where's the best fit for him for him to succeed and the best fit for him to learn? The uh, It's interesting because I feel like there's there's a couple teams, I think, that are in the play for him. And, I mean, obviously you could say, oh, if he falls to the Patriots, it's one of the best options for him. If he falls to a contender like that, best option for him. But... In my opinion, I don't see Tua going any later than the sixth overall pick, and that's because between those picks, either with some team trading up or a team already in those first six trying to snag him, that's what's going to happen. The three, if I'm if I'm, I'm going to make no mock trades here, because I can make some mock trades later on, but I'm going to make no knock, no mock trades here. The three teams that I'm saying have a somewhat of a shot and will be thinking about snagging Tua are the Miami Dolphins, obviously at pick number five, the San or San San Diego, wow, the Los Angeles Chargers at pick number six, and surprisingly, I'm going to add this team, the Detroit Lions at pick number three, and I have a reason for all three of these. And for your answering the question of best fit, that's the Dolphins 100%. I feel like Tua has that kind of system that they're going to want to work into in Miami. They've, I mean, obviously they've been in the quarterback carousel already. They have a veteran in Ryan Fitzpatrick on the roster already. So if he wants to mentor under him a little bit or at least learn from Ryan Fitzpatrick in the preseason a little bit, that's always an advantage. They're not just sporting like Josh Rosen or some – I think they still have Josh Rosen on the roster, but they're not just running a rookie quarterback or a couple-year quarterback already in the system. They have a veteran guy. I mean, while Ryan Fitzpatrick's been an on-and-off starter backup throughout his career, he's been in the league for over a decade pretty much. So 
he's always a, he's a good guy to get a mentor to. And I think the Dolphins are just kind of that fit. They've been they've been linked to Tua for the past eighteen months, season and a half, really. I mean, you go all the way back to last year. Before the season started, there were already chance for the Dolphins to tank for Tua, hashtag tank for Tua, because they were projected to be so bad. And when they lost their first two games by a combined like 48 or like 80-something to 7 or whatever it was against the Ravens and Patriots, everyone was like, all right, Dolphins get number one pick, they're getting Tua. But then, of course, the whole thing of Joe Burrow came out, and so now the number one pick is going to be Joe Burrow to the Bengals. But I think the best fit, honestly, is Tua, barring the question of if his injuries are healthy, if his injuries are uh, going to be accountable for this play. Because I'm sure the Miami Dolphins – had their doctors have been in touch with Tua and the Alabama staff getting an injury history and all that kind of stuff. But the Dolphins, which is why I'm not 100% on the Dolphins, they're also kind of looking at Justin Herbert. There's been some reports from Miami newspapers themselves saying that the Dolphins are kind of liking Justin Herbert too and they're kind of conflicted over uh, who to pick. Whether that's just draft garbage right now to try to get teams to, like the Chargers, to trade up in front of the Dolphins in order to snag Justin Herbert. Uh, I don't know, because, I mean, if the Dolphins are saying, we also like Justin Herbert, guys, then that could entice the Dol- uh, the Chargers at pick number six to be like, hey, Dolphins, give us the fifth pick for, like, the next, our future two first-round picks to move up one spot so we can get, so we can for sure get Justin Herbert. Because that's always, I mean, there's tricks like that in the NFL draft. That happens all the time. But Tua going to the Dolphins, I think, is the best fit. For your best on mentoring-wise, the the Lions aren't completely out of the question here. And their pick number three, uh, Mel Kuyper, uh, the big draft guy for ESPN, actually has the the Lions taking Tua at the third pick. And so that was a new thing that came out with his mock draft 2.0 just a couple days ago. And the reason behind this is because Matthew Stafford has one year left in his contract. It runs out in 2021. And if the Lions wanted to pick up Tua now... During this draft, they could get him behind Matt Stafford because you wouldn't start two over Matt Stafford. No way, no way on that. Because, I mean, before Matt Stafford was hurt this past season, he was having an MVP-type season. They almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They were the only team to hold Kansas City Chiefs without, without like, a passing touchdown or some weird stat like that. I mean, obviously, it's not Matthew Stafford's fault. But, I mean, I was even saying at the beginning of the season, the Lions were a team to watch with Matthew, Matthew Stafford playing as an MVP candidate. And if they get two behind him, I think that he could learn behind him and then once Matthew Stafford's contract runs out this, uh, in 2021, then they could bring Tua up, and so we get a year to sit behind him. And so that might be one of the best situations for him to learn, um, but he wouldn't start automatically, and I'm sure he wants to be a guy to start automatically. And if he does, most likely he's going to the Dolphins, I think. Yeah, and <clears throat> so you're pretty much set on um, on Joe Burrow, you're Joe Burrow heading to the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, yes. Um, now, they've got the number one pick, Cincinnati Bengals does. Um, and so... Where, where, so where's Ryan Fitzpatrick? Ryan Fitzpatrick needs to retire. I think he needs to. But where's Ryan Fitzpatrick going to fit into this? Is are they going to trade him? I mean, he's been what probably half of the NFL teams if you think about it. Yeah, he's been doing like a Uh, majority. And so, where's Ryan Fitzpatrick going? I'm not sure on his contract situation. I don't know if he if he was just a because they um, the Dolphins signed him this year to back up to back up Josh Rosen at the start, and then he eventually got the starting job over him. Because the Dolphins were a mess this year, as we know, and they were switching back and forth from quarterbacks the whole time. So I'm not sure on his contract situation, but if Tua lands with the Dolphins, most likely, I don't really know. Because if they had to pick between Josh Rosen and Ron Fitzpatrick to keep as a backup to Tua, they're keeping Fitzpatrick. Josh Rosen's just a bust. He was the, the, what was the Cardinals' first overall pick in 2018, and he's been a bust ever since. And so it ended up, he was so bad, it ended up getting the Cardinals number, another number one over pick where they got Kyler Murray, who's actually been a, pretty much of a star this whole this past season. He's been pretty good. 
But for Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's either going to go on to like his 12th NFL team afterwards or he's going he's gonna to be the backup to Tua. Josh Rose is going to go away. It's too early to tell right now, especially we just don't know. If I knew his contract situation especially, I would be able to have a better answer for that because if, if he was running out his contract, I'd say Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to move on for more money because he could, he could potentially get a starting job with this whole quarterback carousel that's happening right now in the NFL with all these free agents. So uh, if Ryan Patrick wanted to move on, I'm sure the Dolphins would let him. And if they're going to get Tua or Justin Herbert or whoever, they're going to put that guy, the rookie, as the starter, not uh, not Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a good backup quarterback. He's just not a good quarterback. No, uh, a starting quarterback. Um, however, we've got Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda is as is, is, is a cornerback for. Corner, cornerback, cornerback. Uh, for Ohio State. Um, very, very talented, and he showed that against Clemson, how good he really is. Um, and so, defensively, mm-hmm. where could Jeff Okuda go, Hayden? Hayden? I mean, you've got you've got really good teams uh, that like, or that's founded upon uh, defenses like the Seattle Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks has got young, talented uh, the back the back seven. And so, or or you can go to another team like the the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos, you know, they've they've got a okay defense, you know, with Von Miller. They I, what he he got traded, correct? Or no, was, Broncos still have Von okay. Miller. Yeah. Uh, and so you can go there. Where's Where's Jeff Okuda headed? He he's interesting because he's. I feel like he could go between the third pick and the seventeenth pick. He could be anywhere because just all the, a different lot of different teams could use him really. Um, the Seahawks would be a team I think he'd be best fit for because they're Pete Carroll's really good on the defensive mining as a coach. They've had their big defensive moments. They were awful in the defense this past season. That was one of the reasons they weren't as good in the playoffs. Because I mean, Seattle had like like eight or ten of their sixteen games for one score games. They were only in the playoffs and had a good record because they were winning these close games, mostly on the back of Russell Wilson. So Jeff Okuda's an interesting one. I think, I mean, this is the name I just brought up, the Lions. I think the Lions are the best candidate for him, whether they trade down to maybe the sixth pick to give the Chargers the third pick or the Dolphins go up to the third to get their quarterback. All these kind of trade scenarios that could happen. If even I think Jeff Okuda could fall back to the late, te- to the late uh, like single-digit picks, like five, six, seven, eight. But I think the Detroit Lions are going to snag him mostly because all the other teams in there, like the, the Carolina Panthers could be in a quarterback situation, possibly um, the... The Giants are in there at number four, but I think they're going to be getting a linebacker or a safety or one of those kind of guys. And Jeff Acuna as a cornerback, I think his best fit is for the Lions just because they're in dire need of a defense. They have a defense. The Lions have a pretty good offense so far. Not top of the league, but, you know, upper upper two-thirds of the league. They have a decent offense. And so getting their defense uh, snagged up is going to be what they need to do. So the Lions are a pick for that. But I'm going to add this in. The Cowboys are also an option. And the Cowboys are interesting because they're all the way back at pick number 17 right now. And they're kind of a need for a safety or a cornerback, both of those. And if the Cowboys decide to let Byron Jones go this past season, the Cowboys have been stated and rumored to want to move up in this draft. And Jerry Jones was even stated saying, quote, he wants to make a big splash in this year's draft. And so once he said that, there's been a lot of rumors going about that the Cowboys might try to trade up. I don't know with what kind of picks we have, whether it's going to be a couple future first-rounders or so or trying to trade some of the picks we already have in this current draft. But they're rumored to trade up to possibly get um, to get a Cuba too. So... Uh, that's another point, but I think if I had to put my money on it, the Lions are going to end up getting a, uh, Joseph Okuda and not any other team. In the Lions, I said earlier they might get Tua, but again, if I'm putting the money on it, Okuda is going to go to the Lions number three, and then Tua is going to go to the to the Dolphins number five. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Well, kind of, kind of countering, 
counter what you said about um, uh, Tua. I think I think Jeff Okuda would be excellent at the Seattle Seahawks. I just mentioned mm-hmm. that not too not too long ago, and the reason being is because they've got such they're founded on their defense. Russell Westbrook really carried their team this year, but but really, I mean, they're called the twelfth man because they're really loud with that stadium, and that stadium gets really loud behind that defense. Mm-hmm. And so I can really see Jeff Okuda fitting in really well. I think he can just learn a lot. There and I think you know uh, former former um, cornerback uh, Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you you can see what they produce uh, out of Seattle Seahawks. So I think Jeff Okuda would be excellent uh, with the Seattle Seahawks. But do they really need them? Is the real question. I know they've got a couple rookie cornerbacks uh, now, but those guys are still learning as well. So that's also a question. Yeah, I, 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 I think you fit there too. It's just there's unless the Seahawks make a really big move for it. Like I, I like the Seahawks fit. I like that a lot, and I just don't think it's gonna they're gonna fall that deep. Seahawks are the 27th pick in the draft, and so if they really want to get a Cuda, had to do a little bit worse in this year's draft. But there's gonna be a plenty. Uh, they got yeah, Trayvon Diggs is uh, another good cornerback out of Alabama. He might fall down to the 25th, 27th kind of area, and so maybe the Seahawks move up just a couple picks to get him. He's another good prospect out there too. Um, CJ Henderson as well. He could fall into the late teens, early ten or early twenties as well. So what's up to see all of that? But Akuda, yeah. if they had to make a big splash for Akuda, but I think that he would fit really well in Seattle. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, and, and so I'll, I'll, I don't want to I don't want to take away from our show notes, but I really want to hit this point. Mm-hmm. So we're going to change topics right now. So there is a report. Uh, I don't think it's official yet, but ch- supposedly Charlie Strong is set to join. Nick Saban at the University of Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, this is really, really big. A uh, former head coach at Texas, former head coach at University of South Florida, and now he's going to be a defensive analyst uh, for Nick Saban. And um, so this is a big step for Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Nick Saban struggled this year. They lost two games. LSU and Auburn, and that's something that's really huge. I love, I love how losing two games is a struggle for yeah, Alabama. Yeah, that's well, so that's it, the reason I say that is because it's not like oh that's bad. That's yeah, good. That's good. good. That's I'd really love, good. As a Kentucky fan, I'd love to yeah, lose only two but, games. But Alabama has gave us this mindset to be that they are the best. Mm-hmm. They are the best. Not. They're okay. They are the standard. They are the best, and that's bad for Alabama. You know, if Clemson loses two games, that's bad for Clemson. Yes, exactly. And if LSU loses two games, well, <laughs> next year they'll probably it'll probably be bad for them. But before then, they lost two games easy. But the thing is, we've got Alabama's future. Alabama is Alabama still the standard, or is Clemson is Ohio State is Georgia. Are those three schools now the future of college football, or is Alabama just have a down year? I, you know, Charlie Strong, Charlie Strong is going to bring a huge impact on that team. You know, he's going to right now. He is done. He's doing what other college coaches do. He's going to try to rebuild his resume. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he wants to he, he wants to show that he can do really good things and really big things uh, with his school. With a big school, a top powerhouse school, and and to rebuild his resume and to become another head coach, that's his goal. Um, but I think he's going to bring a excellent point of view, a great mindset, and he's just really going to be such a great asset for this universe, this Alabama defense. And I, I think they're going to be great. I, I, let's let's hear your voice. I mean, I don't think, like you said, I don't 
whether to say who's the standard of college football anymore, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, whoever, I don't know if it's smart to say any of that because Alabama, I don't think they're the standard anymore, but they're certainly not out of it. Alabama had this down year, I know, and a lot of people were saying, oh, this is 20, 2019, end of the decades, the best year in sports because we get to end the Patriots dynasty, the Alabama dynasty, and all this kind of stuff, which, I mean, I'd, be, I'd love for that to happen. I love variety in sports more than anything, but I don't think Alabama's done. It's hiring Charlie Strong. I think it's a really good move for them as the defensive guy for it, um, getting that analytics work in, getting this kind of stuff. He's, he's been a seasoned coach. He has experience. He had a I mean, he, he, he's been with US, USF the past couple of years, and he had, a, he had an initial good season in 2017, but he's been kind of bad in 2018, 2019, having an 11-14 total record over this past two years. And so, I mean, he's, he's had some success in the past. I mean, you look back to when he was in Louisville with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they went 23-3 and in two years. So he's had that success, and whether or not he's going to bring that to the table in Alabama, one to say, I think it's going to be a good move. A season head coach working with Nick Saban, they obviously have the mindsets together. They know what they're doing. They're both experienced guys. And so this could help put Alabama back into the table. I can't remember the, what their exact recruiting ranking was, but it's obviously up there in the top five. So... They're going to come back reloaded. I've said this before. I think the SEC is going to be more open this year. The SEC West especially is going to be weaker. LSU is not going to be as good as they were this past year. Auburn's, I feel like Auburn can make a push for it, but maybe not. I think Alabama is going to be the West champion again this year, Whether whoever they play in the East, because the East is even more open than the West in my opinion, whether it's Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, whoever wins the East, I think Alabama is going to be able to make a run this season, especially with, the, with this edition, and uh, they'll be back to the standard they like to set for themselves in college football, along with Clemson and Georgia and Ohio State and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, but I, I don't think Alabama's going anywhere anywhere, anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think these schools have caught up to Alabama. Alabama used to be – there used to be Alabama, and then it used to be the Roy bus, the oh, rest yeah. of you bus. And that's that's exactly what Dabo Sweeney has implemented. And so – I think these schools have called up to them. They've they've become better recruiters. They've become better better programs, better coaches. You know, play, better players. Everything, and so and so. I think I think Alabama's still going to be in that mix, but I think I think Nick Saban has has to be stronger and got got to be better better coaching and and you know do something different because everybody knows his game plan now. Uh, and so let's move on real fast, real fast. Let's hit this NCAA. Mulling the transfer rule changes. Players will not have to sit out a year like they used to. Mm-hmm. Now, that is not official yet, but that is a strong report uh, that could be making this change really, really soon. Uh, so, used to, they, they would transfer, and if they graduated, they could go ahead and start start immediately you know, playing football. But if they had not graduated yet, they'd have to sit out a whole year uh, until they can start. That's what happened to Tanner Muse. Or, you know, is it so? Is it Tanner Muse that plays at Clemson? Yes. And so, what? Who is his brother? His brother is. I I think it's turn. (laughs) I think it's it's like really close. It's like it's like it's something Muse. But he had to sit out a whole year until he could play. And so, there's been some really big, uh, you know, there's been really big changes. Like that in college football, and it's been re- it's been hurting a lot of players. You know, players players transfer because they think they have a better shot of getting looked at from the NFL, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that that's the thing that this NFL this or NCAA is trying to. NCAA is already prevent, preventing them to play that year, but these this there's this a committee. There's this committee that's really trying to implement this new rule, where. Where those these guys don't have to sit out that year, 
And so those guys want these these other athletes mm-hmm. to be to be out in the notice and to be able to transfer to a school and be able to be noticed immediately. And so what, what is your take on it? I think, I mean, I, I like this idea because I mean, giving them the one year sit out, is just another year they can't get looked at. And it's, I mean, I get the point like, Oh, maybe it would kind of take away from people wanting to transfer because the NCAA as obviously has been weird about that because it happens all the time. They deny the rights for transfer portal or all this other weird stuff. But I like the idea going forward to it. Um, all the, I'm sure, like what is it, like all the conferences or whatever have to agree to it. However, it works exactly. I'm not sure the exact rules for it, but giving them like one year, just like you go to the next school, play immediately. I think that works out perfectly. That's kind of how it was in the NFL with trading and stuff. Works the same way in the NCAA, and of course, it's weird because it's schools. It's based off school and education, and all that, and so that's the reason why all these weird rules go into place with transferring schools in, the, in general. But I mean, I like the idea personally, and I don't know when it, whether it goes into effect next season or this season afterwards however long it takes to get that i think it's a good idea and i mean it's only a one-time transfer right like you can do it one you can transfer one time it's not like you can just you can't unlimitedly do it so as long as there's got i think there has to be boundaries set in place there can't be like i like obviously the one-time rule you can't be just switching schools every year because you want to get a starting job somewhere i think you transfer one time you get it but as long as you don't have to sit out i think that's a that's a good idea to put yeah I, I agree 100 percent. and they these guys want to be in the they want to be looked at by the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be uh, noticed, and they want to continue their football playing careers. And so I think that's that's really, really big. On um, And I think this is going to be a great step forward. You know, some people might might, might have thought that the, a big step forward was athletes being paid. You know, I still don't agree with it, and I still think there's a lot to discuss with that. But anyways, I don't want to go off on a <laughs> tangent. Uh, but but – with with this, I think there's going to be more changes in the NCAA. I think there's going to be a lot more changes, and I think they're going to be good changes. And I think this is one of those really good changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you just look at like all all the good quarterbacks that come out, like Joe Burrow, for instance. He was with Ohio State, got a transfer to LSU, and now you see where he is. Um, I can't remember who exactly it was, but I was watching something on like CBS, and one of the analysis, one of the analysts said like coming into the 2019 college football playoff or the college football year, excuse me, he said he had Joe Burrow as like a fourth round pick at quarterback and the difference of one year can make in a new system under Joe Brady and uh, that and Coach O and all those guys at LSU it makes Joe Joe Burrow all the way up to the number one over pick overall pick so transfer portal has its benefits for players um the NCAA likes to be strict about it but this new rule allowing them to go directly into a new system without having to wait a year is definitely going to help improve players players like making it into different systems and making it towards the NFL because Joe Burrow is a perfect yeah. example of that and we had there was three three starting quarterbacks that was in the transfer portal at one time mm-hmm. was in the college football playoff. Justin Justin Fields, we've got uh, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts and, and we've got Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. And look what they did. And yeah, exactly. so I think I think the transfer portal, portal however, you, <laughs> however you word it, uh, is a really, really good thing for uh, college football. And I think, I think there should be continuing uh, changes to the NCAA. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, guys, we're going to take another break. Uh, so if you guys want to stay with us, you're listening to Off the Bench XLR, Lander University Radio. Uh, stay with us. We're going to talk discuss NFL topics. And so Hayden, he'll jump all over oh, yeah. you with that one. <laughs> so, uh, hey, guys, stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're going to take a short break, and uh, uh, we'll be right back. Hey guys, welcome back to Off the Bench XLR. We're so glad to be with you on this great Wednesday afternoon. 
Uh, we're always on here every single Wednesday, 4 to 6. Uh, my name is Jameson, and, uh, and as always, I'm alongside my co-host, Hayden Jordan. Uh, we're so glad to be back, and uh, we're going to get into the NFL, National Football League, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Hayden, Hayden's favorite topic. He loves it, <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh, and we're going to dive in. We've got some crazy, crazy things to talk about, uh, some weird things. We might even make a prediction uh, for the Super Bowl 55. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, and so uh, that's that's a little interesting. Really, really early predictions. Hey, that's always good. Uh, maybe he'll keep up with it. And, you know, like like last year, I'll probably win that one too. So <laughs> oh, I, you, yeah. ne- you never know. You well, never we both, know. We both, got the Super Bowl. <laughs> we both got Super Bowl predictions, right? Well, well uh, ladies and gentlemen, he, he was – if if you guys recall, uh-huh. he was really pulling for the the 49ers. I mean, he was really talking them up really nicely. I was talking them up over the Patriots. And I will say I got that right cuz the Patriots didn't even make it out of the well, wild card round. Well, 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 <laughs> don't t- don't talk about my Patriots too much. <laughs> uh, um, uh but anyways, so uh thank you guys so much for sticking with us in this 2-hour segment. Uh this is something new that we started uh, a couple weeks back and uh we really enjoy it. Yeah, it's been so so much fun and um uh, we have just used this opportunity just to learn and grow and to become just better um uh, better better students you know and so and it's 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 helped me become better students of sports because i'm I'm always researching i'm always uh trying to get the best and most updated information mm-hmm. and I know Hayden is as well uh but always remember off the bench x l r instagram facebook twitter and off the bench uh x l r on google play music uh spotify and apple podcasts so that's a lot of stuff that's a lot and I know it uh but anyways however you like to um I listen to a show. If you missed the whole show or you missed a part of it and you'd like to hear what we've talked about, um, then you can hit up uh, those those three segments, and the full show will be on there every single – every single uh, probably about Thursday mornings. Yeah. Is pro- maybe even th- Wednesday it com- nights. It comes out Wednesday nights at about 9 o'clock every yeah. day, and then if you're asleep there, it's just, it's definitely out. It's out on Spotify at 9 o'clock every night or every Wednesday, I know for sure. And I don't know about the other ones because I don't check – iTunes or Google Play, but those those will definitely be out within 24 hours after the show takes place. Yeah, and so and so if you want to miss if you miss a show, go hit those up, go search them, um, and uh, all you gotta do is go to the search bar, type off the bench, mm-hmm. and uh, we're, we're we're right there. It's green. It's a we're a gray, black, and green uh, logo. And that's us, and we've got a little description of who we are. So uh, search us, yeah, uh, follow us, like us, share us, whatever, whatever <laughs> social media us, you know, whatever. whatever so uh, yeah, uh, so we'll love it. We'll love it. We love the uh, public uh, publicizing. Uh, anyways, let's hit that. Let's hit up the uh, NFL. Mm-hmm. Early Super Bowl fifty five odds are out. Hayden Jordan, I know you got the. I know you got the dirty numbers over there. <laughs> um, so, what are our way too early uh, in quotation marks predictions for next year's Super Bowl? Now, this is really early, considering it came out a week ago Sunday, or the Super Bowl ended, or is it two weeks ago? Super Sunday? Bowl ended yeah. like yeah, two weeks, two weeks ago, ago so. Sunday, this past Sunday. So, this is really, I mean, literally. 50 weeks until the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm already excited. I'm just kidding. I'm just ready for college <laughs> football. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think? What 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 are, what are some uh, Super Bowl predictions you, you've got over there, Hayden Jordan? I mean, I'll talk a little bit, but then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about just the expectations going into this next season. And then I'll go into my like my actual NFC versus AFC pick. And I'm like, well, likely we'll hear Jameson's as well and uh, kind of compare these two. But um, 
like I said, odds have been coming out since the Super Bowl ended. Different odds have been coming out, probabilities, and my my go to for these kind of odds and stuff because you know you see you, there's all different platforms that put this out, and they're all different. Um, the one I like to look at is Sportsline because they're the guys I usually pay attention to for betting wise, Vegas bets, and um, and for just like game trends and stuff like that. And Sportsline currently has the San Francisco 49ers as the favorites to make it to the Super Bowl at least, or no, to win the Super Bowl. San Francisco 49ers at 25.3 percent, followed by the Chiefs at 21.9. Ravens at 20.7, and then there's a big drop-off after those three, and it goes down to the Saints at 9.8 and then fills out the rest. I'll list the rest of the teams in the top 10 or whatever they have. It goes in Saints, Patriots, Cowboys, Vikings, Titans, Rams, Bills, Packers, and Bears, surprisingly. So a lot of weird things in, in that list. Some teams you wouldn't expect. Uh, other rankings have like the uh, have the Eagles in there. They have the Seahawks in there, the Rams in there. Uh, but this one has a lot of different teams, so they're obviously they're pushing for some new teams in the playoffs, and that's certainly something you got to watch out for because even look at last year's playoffs 2019 compared to the previous year's playoffs 2018. Six of the 12 teams that made this current year's playoff weren't even in the playoffs two years ago. So playoff teams shift around all the time. Good teams get bad, bad teams get good, and so looking in and off. I mean, you look at a lot besides the Patriots two or three of the last four years. Super Bowl teams don't usually repeat the year after. So trying to think the Chiefs and the 49ers, which are the top two favorites right now, making it to the Super Bowl is something I'm not even going to consider right now. Because in my prediction, having this piece of paper right in front of me, Chiefs and the 49ers are not even on it. I don't have them written anywhere. I don't see them in the Super Bowl this next year, even though I think they'll both give these teams for a run for the money. But no, my prediction are two teams that were close. They were close to the Super Bowl this year, but they didn't make it all the way. And that's usually how this goes. Look at the 49ers last year, or the, uh, the Chiefs last year. AFC Championship game, they lost. This year, they put it all together and made it. The 49ers were, were not, they were awful two years ago. They had Jimmy Garoppolo hurt, and they fell in the draft to get a good pick in, uh, in Nick Bosa, and that propelled them to a Super Bowl. But with Jimmy, if Jimmy Garoppolo had been uh, healthy that year, who knows what they could have been. But they got better this year, and they went to the Super Bowl. They went with having like .03 odds. They had like a 3% chance to make it or whatever it was, and they ended up getting the Super Bowl. So it's teams that you're not really looking at that can make it. And so my prediction that I'm going to make is two teams that didn't make it, and that is going to be from the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens, going to the Super Bowl this next year. And from the NFC, uh, this is an interesting one. This was, the NFC was the one I was meddling about the most because the AFC, it's like you have the Ravens, the Mahomes and the Chiefs, and then everybody else, it seems. And for the NFC, I feel like it's much more balanced. A lot of teams have a shot. And the team that I'm looking for here to go out and make it to the Super Bowl out of the NFC this next year is the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm having the Seattle Seahawks, Baltimore Ravens as my way too early Super Bowl prediction for 2020. Obviously, this is probably going to change, given more information, given the draft, given given free agency, all this kind of stuff. But the Seahawks just picked up Greg Olson for a one-year $7 million, and I think they have what it takes to make it in. I mean, you look at this offense with with Greg Olson built in. Tyler Lockett, DJ Metcalf went for 1,000 yards as a rookie. He seems to be a really viable candidate for – he wasn't, he wasn't Offensive Rookie of the Year, but he seems to be a viable candidate for like one of the best receivers in the league, given year two, and if he has that progression going forward. So, Tyler Lockett, Greg Olson, Will Dillisley, uh, DJ, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, and Russell Wilson especially, who is MVP candidate this past year and an MVP candidate most likely next year and any season he plays on from now on. Because Will, Russell Wilson is incredible. And so, seeing them coming out of the NFC isn't going to be a huge surprise for me. Their offense was lackluster in the playoffs because they lost all those running backs. They didn't really have a... Uh, a way to work around it. They got a lucky with playing a really beat up Eagles squad, beat, or barely beating them, and then losing the uh, that unfortunate uh, what was it, third down, fourth down call to the Packers, and then losing out there. But I mean, if you go, if you think about the last game of the season, right, Week 17 against the 49ers for the Seahawks, um, 
they were literally inches away from getting that two seed or the one seed, whichever one it was. They were inches away from getting a bye week because of just if uh, if the tight end Hollister just reached just a couple more yards on that last play made in the end zone, you're dropping the 49ers down to the five seed, and the Seahawks are now the one or the two seed, and they have a bye and could make one game, one win to the a- NFC Championship game in the playoff in the Super Bowl. So they were close. I think they're going to get it done this year. They got an upgrade offense. They're going to upgrade their defense to the draft, and so that's certainly a team to look out for. On the Ravens side. I only have two things for the Ravens, what I think. One, they had an excellent offense this year, and I think it's going to digress just a little bit. I mean, 2018 uh, Chiefs, their offense was amazing. Their offense digressed in 2019. They still made it to the Super Bowl. Granted, they had a bit of an easier Super Bowl route than most teams, beating the Texans and the, the, um, and the Titans, which are like the four and the six seed. It's not, it wasn't the hardest road they had to beat, but they still made it, and the Ravens are going to have a similar bout, whether they just make the one seed or the two seed. I think they're going to be up there in the AFC, especially with an old Tom Brady or a Tom Brady gone out of the Patriots. Who knows how that's going to go. But the Ravens, they just have that offense. You know, They're going to work. Jim, John Harbaugh is going to work. And the stat that I'm looking at mostly <clears throat> is that the Ravens have, based on strength of schedule from last season, Ravens have the easiest schedule this upcoming season. Whoever decided that, I don't get it, because they, have the, they were like the best offense this past season, and you give them the easiest schedule. Their average they, of all the opponents they're playing in 2020, those average records from 2019 are .438. So their average opponent they're playing this upcoming season had a record below 500. And so them having one of the best offenses in the league, playing one of the easiest, playing the easiest schedule in the league, I think is going to help them to maybe another 13 and three, uh, 12 and four kind of record and get them in the playoffs. So that is my prediction, Jameis. I'm interested to see what you have to say. I have Ravens Seahawks. I have no idea how similar yours is going to be or whatever because this is again way too early predictions. These are meant to be kind of. Kind of different, you don't know. So, Jameson, what are you, you going to hit me with? Um, well, it's going to be a really, really fun 2020 season. I think the 49ers and the Baltimore Ravens are a complete bust. Uh, I, I think that that they will bust and they will not uh, make the. Not, I, don't, I don't. I think the Forty ers might make the first round playoffs, but they're done. I. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think the four. I think the Forty ers are done. That's what I, I think. I don't think they're done, but I, I, think, I said this like. I think the Baltimore Ravens. I think the Baltimore Ravens is a complete bust. I think Lamar Jackson is going to be head over heels with his himself, and he's going to mm-hmm. think he's the greatest thing uh, since sliced bread. And so I think he's going to completely bust and not not expect anything what's going to come to him. And mm-hmm. so I think that's that's a complete bust as well. But I do agree with you one thing. The Seattle Seahawks is making the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that team played gutsy. That team has played really, 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 really good um, uh, this season. This season, And Russell Wilson, man, he's just going to get better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to play really good. Now, we've got the, we've got the Chiefs, the Texans, mm-hmm. and the Patriots. The Chiefs. Are not going to make the Super Bowl. I just don't no. see it coming. I think I think they're, think, I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, I think the Chiefs will be really really good, and they might make it back to back. They might. Mm-hmm. And I think the Texans. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my favorite team. But I mean, I can see if they get some good drafts, if they can draft well. I mean, they've got a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Uh, they've got a great wide receiver in Nuke Hopkins. They've got a great defense. JJ Watt, if he can still, if JJ Watt can stay healthy, yes. they will the be question, good. Yes, yeah. I mean just stay healthy, man. Mm-hmm. And so I think if JJ Watt stays healthy, their running game just gets stronger as it was last year. I think there will be a there will be a team to reckon with. And I think if Tom Brady stays with the Patriots, mm-hmm. Tom Brady is going to be in the Super Bowl next year. Oh, I count okay. on it. Count on it. 
Tom Brady will be in the Super Bowl. So my prediction is Tom Brady and the Patriots are going to the Super Bowl, and they're going to win it. They're going to beat the Seahawks. This is going to be a rematch from a couple years back. Yeah. And so I think the Tom Brady and the Patriots are winning the Super Bowl. Inter- wow. Okay. I'm, inter- I'm, I'm interested that you selected the Seahawks with me. I did not see that because I figured Seahawks – I mean, the Seahawks are a good team. I figured me picking them to Super well, Bowl was a bit I, out of NFC, there. NFC, NFC – well – I think the AFC is going to be really, really, really talented this year. Mm-hmm. I think there, I think there are so many. I think the AFC will win the Super Bowl. I I know that for a fact. Yeah. I mean, I don't think NFC is winning the Super Bowl, um, but I I really do think that the Seahawks has a, has a chance because I don't think the Forty ers are going to be there. I, I want to see Green Bay make it to the Super Bowl, and you know that would be really cool. The Green Bay and um, the Seahawks. You know, what if they played uh, to go into the Super Bowl, but. I just, it's so hard. It's so hard to tell right now, and and it really depends on tr- trades and drafts and whatnot. What Green Bay gets, and I think it's going to be literally Seahawks and Green Bay fighting to get it. And I think one of those two teams will be in the Super Bowl. I count mm-hmm. on that. I I'm really positive about that. Green Bay or but, Seattle. See, Green Bay or Seattle, and I think and I think the Patriots will be in if if Tom Brady's team. Tom Brady, if he if he transfers, and I don't see it happening. I don't see I I see the you Patriots giving him the money. Mm-hmm. I see I don't I don't think Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick can take the heat from the fans mm-hmm. and take the heat from the media. I don't think that they can do it. So I see I see the I see the Patriots keeping Tom Brady. I see Tom Brady taking them to the Super Bowl if they get some good drafts and some people yeah. to buy in, not like freaking Antonio Brown or anybody like that yeah. or Josh Gordon. I mean, come on now. you got to get some actual players. <laughs> players that won't get, so, yeah. get ejected so, from hitting and, and, people and smoking yeah, weed. Yeah, and so, and so I think I think the Patriots are going, and I think that uh, Seahawks are Green Bay. Green Bay is going to be good. Green Bay is going to be good, and the Seahawks are going to be good. I think they're going to be the best two teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I, don't think, I think there's going to be a huge huge drop-off because the 49ers, I think they're going to be a watch. They're going to be a bust. The Baltimore Ravens, absolutely out, out of there. I think the Houston Texans will beat them. The Patriots will definitely beat them. Uh, and I definitely think the Chiefs will beat them. And so, and so I think I think those two, those two, at least those two teams, those three teams can beat the Baltimore Ravens. So I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be out then. Uh, but I see the Patriots being in the Super Bowl and then Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers being in there, but I know for a fact they will not beat Tom Brady because there's nobody, nobody will stand in the way of Tom Brady this season. I, I'm, let me say, so you said the Packers and Seahawks. Let me ask you this. So you want the Patriots in the Super Bowl, you have them the winning. Who, who's going to be facing them in the AFC Championship game? Because you had the Packers and Seahawks. Mm-hmm. You always think that's going to be the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Who's going to who, – I mean, you said the Texans and the Chiefs and those guys. But who do you think is going to be the top dog of those guys to challenge the Patriots? Team? I think I, – I honestly think the Houston Texans. Yeah. I think the Houston Texans are going to make it to the AFC Championship. And as much as I hate to say it, man, I, I want I want Deshaun Watson to win the Super Bowl. Um, but and, and if they do it, I would be – I would be more happy I, if if it's <laughs> if it's the Patriots and if it's the Texans. I'm I want the Texans to win. That's my team. That's who I root for. I mean, heck, I mean, I'm a Houston guy. I'm a XFL Houston Roughnecks. Yeah. I mean, they're the number one team in the XFL. Uh, and so, hey, this is a sports talk show. Uh, so that's that's also football. But anyways. yeah, I talked XFL last oh, yeah. week. So oh yeah, it's, it's oh yeah, it's it's interesting. I think this is the best the best like XFL little whatever whatever you call this like. At other secondary, secondary the, football, leagues, yeah, whatever yeah. you call it, like the it, all of that secondary football stuff. I think this is the best league that we've seen. Yeah, and but anyway, so I think the Houston Texans. I won't pull for the Houston Texans. I'm gonna pull for them, and I want them to win the Super Bowl. That's who I want. Yeah. But I do think, I do think that 
the AFC will win the Super Bowl again for a second year in a row. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if I could pick a winner between the Ravens and Seahawks because that's my pick, and I don't know if I could really pick a winner between those two. If I had to pick, I'm going to go with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson because that's just the season veteran. He's been there a couple times already. He knows what he's doing. Um, for the challenges for for the championship games, I don't know what I'd do because I feel like for the NFC especially, I think it's way wide open. And you said the two front runners are the Packers and Seahawks. I, I kind of disagree with that because I think the NFC has way more front runners than the AFC does. The AFC is interesting because you have the top teams. Uh, I think the Ravens, they're going to digress. But I think they're still going to be good. I think the Chiefs are going to be good. I, th- I think the Ravens good. will be the fourth, the fourth, the fourth best team. Yeah, I think they'll still win the uh, – the AFC North. I, I don't think the, I don't see the Browns. Browns might making it as a wild card. Steelers are kind of down. Whether Ben Roethlisberger comes back, their offense is really beat up. And then the Bengals with Joe Burrow will be interesting to see. We have no idea how that's going to turn out. But bust, bust. Oh, that's a bull prediction. Yeah, he's gonna he's going to smoke a cigar all the way down to his trash dump because <laughs> he's a bust. So the AFC North is one of the most special. The AFC North, I think, is one of the most interesting divisions, as well as the NFC West, because that's the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, who the Cardinals, I think, are going to be better this year, especially as well. So trying to pick who I think is going to be the championship game is going to be interesting. But, Jameson, I also have down, like, these teams that are going to come out of nowhere. Because I just said, like, the, the NFC has a lot more teams, I think, Super Bowl-ready than the AFC. The AFC has a lot of teams that could make it. Like, look at the AFC South. You had the Titans and the Jaguars in the last couple of years make runs to the AFC Championship game. Those, I think the Cinderella stories always come out of the AFC. And the hardened veterans, like, the deep teams come out of the NFC. And then the Super Bowl clash is just a battle of two different bloods. So... How do you really see this happening? These underdog teams somewhat. Teams, there's the term like worst to first kind of with the teams coming in last in their division going up to winning their division. And I wrote in the show notes like these teams going from missing the playoffs to the conference championship game. I can degrade that a little bit to maybe missing the playoffs to divisional round or conference championship game. Who, what teams do you see making this kind of run? Because every year, I said this earlier, they're like every year teams that miss the playoffs make it into the next year. Like this past season, 2019, six different teams in the playoffs this year didn't make it the previous year. So who do you feel is going to be those teams? Like this year was the Buffalo Bills and the Eagles and those kind of guys and the 49ers. Who do you think are going to be those guys for this 2020 season? All right. Well, first of all, before I get into before I get into that question, I want to talk about Joe Burrow for a second. Okay. Joe Burrow and he's he's probably going to get picked to the Bengals. I mean, yeah. he's, he's I mean, that's so much set in stone like nobody if if the Bengals do not want them, then they would trade then they would trade down, you know. If if they if the Bengals really did not want Joe Burrow, then they would probably trade down. But since they're not trading down yet, then I think they're going to pick Joe Burrow. And mm-hmm. so, with that, I think the exact same thing that's going to happen to Baker Mayfield. What what happened to Baker Mayfield is going to happen to Joe Burrow. Why? Because Joe Burrow is the type of guy that he gets distracted really easily. Whenever we're going to have all of these commercials always contact, contacting him, millions of dollars sitting at his fingertips just waiting for him to sign on the dotted line, mm-hmm. and he's going to love the party. I mean, you're already seeing it, smoking a cigar on in the media, so yeah. there's no telling what he's doing behind the scenes, what he's doing by himself. And so that's the thing That's the thing that I think was is going to happen. I think Joe Burrow is going to – Flush. I think yeah. he's going to be a complete wash because because I don't think he's going to have the weapons around him. Well, um, 
uh, you know, at the Bengals, and I don't think he's got the coaching staff with him. And so I think that uh, Joe Burrow is not going to is not going to be able to do anything at the Bengals. I think he's going to be a wash, and he's going to get a ton of money. He's going to be all about partying. He's going to buy all. <laughs> he's going to waste his money. And so I really do see Joe Burrow being a complete bust. Yeah, that's. I don't think the coaching staff is going to be helping him out anyway. I mean, the stuff the staff he had at uh, LSU is going to be far superior to what the Bengals have because the Bengals are just kind of a washed up franchise. Yeah. And there's some people saying like, "Hey, Joe Burrow, pulling Eli Manning." and like just tell yeah. the Bengals, hey, I'm oh, yeah. not playing for you. Trade me immediately. I don't care. Because that's what Eli Manning did with the yeah. uh, the San Diego Chargers back in like 2003 or 2004, whenever it was. But, I mean, I've been like – the Bengals have been weird because I think, I think they have they have good weapons. They have A.J. Green if they – or he was injured this past year, but if they decide to keep A.J. Green, they could have him or if they trade him away, whatever. Tyler yeah. Boyd's their number two, number one this past season because of the injury to A.J. Green. He was phenomenal. He put up over 1,000 yards. Uh, t- uh, and then and then the running back as well, Joe Mixon. He's amazing too. And then their defense is going to have to build in the draft. But a quarterback is just a way to start it. Joe Burrow's an interesting pick because I mean, you look back at Ohio State, his days there, he wasn't even the starter there. He had to transfer to LSU just to get the starting job, and he wasn't even projected to do that well in LSU. So him doing this great this past season, putting up all these record numbers, is that really him or the coaching staff? It's hard to really tell because he hasn't been able to play in another system or another year or whatever. So this Bengals year, is, it's going to be interesting because it's easy for people to say, number one pick, he could do great. And I think he's better than, say, Baker Mayfield's prospect or back in Johnny Manziel because when those two guys come in, those are the two recent accounts of, like, uh, college quarterbacks coming in and being immature, being partiers, doing all this stuff. And Joe Burrow could certainly be that. But I think he, I think he's a little bit, um, at least skill wise, better than those guys. When Johnny Manziel came in, the Cowboys were thinking of drafting him, and I was like, no, stay away from him. I don't like him. The the Browns got him, which was so fitting. Well, for I'm the glad to know that Jerry Jones yeah. called you to ask you no, if he should draft Jerry. Uh, Jerry <laughs> Jones wanted wanted Johnny Manziel, and I think it was like our Stephen Jones, our VP, said, it. "Dude, no." We ended up getting Zach Martin instead. That was like back in 2014, I think. But and then the Browns get Baker Mayfield, which was like I was like, this is a carbon copy of Johnny Manziel. And Baker Mayfield's better than Manziel NFL wise. I think this past year he wasn't as good as his uh, rookie well, year, me, mostly just because of Freddie Kitchens yeah. and the coaching staff. Let, but yeah, y- let me let me ask you this question. Uh-huh. Let's just think about this. Baker Mayfield had all the talent in the world at his fingertips, and that's the part that blows my mind. Uh-huh. Baker Mayfield had Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. Jarvis Landry. They he had a defense. I mean, really good defensive line, and what in the world happened? I mean, he had absolutely every opportunity in this world to win a Super Bowl. I mean, he had all the talent on his side. He had the best wide receivers, and he blew it. He blew it. He blew it. He blew it. And mm-hmm. I think, and Baker Mayfield cannot do, cannot do stuff with freaking. Um, Odell Beckham Jr. Mm-hmm. and Jarvis Landry. So Joe Burrow's going. To, you're telling me Joe Burrow's going to sit here and do what? What with nobody? Well, and so <laughs> I mean that, that that notion is like uh, the the Bengals have worse talent than the Browns easily. The coaching staff I think is equal to the Browns or a little bit better. The reason for the Browns being so bad this year is because they couldn't utilize the talent. The NFL is such a coaches driven league. It's such it's not a player driven league like the NBA Agreed. or anything like that. You could have a great roster and if your coaching staff is not knowing how to utilize it. What, nothing's going to work out for you. Look at the, the Cowboys are the same thing. They, the Cowboys have one of the best rosters in the NFL, and the coaching staff just didn't know what to do about that. Same with the Browns. The Browns are one of the best offenses in the NFL as well, and they couldn't do anything with rookie head coach Freddie Kitchens and the kitchen caught on fire. Now he's gone as like the quarterback's coach for the Giants now, which is a much better fit for him. He's, he's an assistant coach. He's not a head coach. So I don't blame the Browns season on Baker Mayfield specifically, 
But it's a decent comparison. Like, what can Joe Burrow do with these weapons if Baker Mayfield couldn't even do it with these weapons? And, I mean, a great quarterback can excel that. And the Browns or the Bengals can get a better coaching staff. They can get these draft picks. And it just takes a little kind of spark to get these teams running. And the Browns, I, like what we were leading into about these teams that are going to miss the, play, miss the playoffs this year, going into having a really good season next year, I have the Browns on that list for me because they're bringing Kevin Stefanski from the Vikings. They're going to be able to have a guy, uh, the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, that can utilize really good talent, really good wide receiver talent, and I think that Baker Mayfield and these Browns will have a better season like that. So if I transition into this about these teams that were doing bad last year and uh, going to have a better season this year, the Browns are definitely one of those teams. And I think we'll get more of this uh, after our break because we're about to go into a break anyway. But we'll get back into this because I'd like to see your takes on this. And like we say, like you said, Joe Burrow being a bust, we'll have to see for that. I think it's a 50-50 thing, honestly. People are saying he's going to be amazing. He could be the best prospect. Like, he was a con coward, so he was the best prospect since uh, – or no, he was saying that about Trevor Lawrence. I'm sorry, but he was still, still <laughs> saying Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect since Andrew Luck. Joe Burrow is still not far behind that. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback in college. Whether translate in the NFL, you were saying that earlier. It's so hard for quarterbacks to translate into the NFL. That's just a way. That's why you have so many quarterbacks in the NFL that are late round draft picks that are so successful. Russell Wilson went in the third round. Dak Prescott fourth round. Tom Brady went the 199th overall pick in the sixth round. And those quarterbacks have success in the NFL. So being great in college yep. doesn't mean you're going to be great in the NFL. You got you, you hit that you hit that nail right on the head. Uh-huh. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, like Hayden just now said, uh, we're going to take a short break. Right, but stay tuned. We're about to get into a really really big part of this show. Uh, we're going to talk about more NFL. Then we're going to talk about the missing missing the playoffs, making a conference championship. Uh, we're going to talk about Greg Olson, Drew Brees. So stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We're about over. So stay tuned, guys. We'll be right back. So uh, we'll be right back right after this break thanks guys stay tuned hey guys welcome back to xlr landon university radio this is off the bench thank you so much for letting us be with you guys on this fine wednesday afternoon 4 to 6 p.m thank you guys so much for listening again like always Tune in on Radio FX. Just go to the search bar, type in um, type in XLR Lander University Radio, click on that, and we're streaming live on that app. And we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and, and so we're on Off the Bench XLR. Those are our usernames. Uh, so tune in, fo- follow us on there, like us, share us. Uh, do all that comment, uh, DM us with questions uh, or whatnot on that on that aspect. And also, we're on Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So make sure you go to the search bar, type in "off the bench," where the black, white, green, and um, icon, and which says "off the bench," and all of our episodes are there. In case you missed a segment or you missed the whole entire episode because you might have been at work or you might have been busy, so make sure you tune in there and you'll get all of our information and uh, show information that way. Uh, so, uh, let's, let's get down to the meat of it. Let's go. Uh, so teams missing from the playoffs and making a conference championship. Mm -hmm. That's a little risky, Hayden. That's, (laughs) that's some big talk right there. Now we're talking. Yeah. Uh, I said earlier, conference championship, I wrote that in the show notes. That might be a little bit of a stretch because I've been mentioning a couple times in the show already is that teams, every year teams that miss the playoffs make the playoffs the next year. It happens every time. There's always a fluid rotation of teams. And so we might just add this. What teams will make the playoffs? Maybe push the divisional round. Maybe there's some. There's certainly some teams that can make this push. And so, Jameson, I'll ask you first because uh, I went first with my Super Bowl predictions. Like, name just give me one or two teams. Whether it's both from the AFC, both from the NFC, one of each. You know, what teams 
maybe not last place in their division, but which teams missed the playoffs this year that you think could make somewhat of a push? Not an early exit, not a wild card loss, but you know, push to the divisional round, maybe a conference championship game. Man, this is tough, Hayden. You really caught me <laughs> on my on on my heels. Um, this is a really tough one. Uh, you've got a, you've got a lot of teams. I think the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I think the Cardinals are going to are going to be very 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 good next year. I think I think Kyler Murray is going just going to be another year into that program. You know he was such a good quarterback. He's a team player. He throws the ball. He runs the ball. He's a very very dynamic quarterback. And I think if they get a little bit of talent around him, I think they're going to be able to make a huge charge in the playoffs and I don't think they'll get off on the wild card round I think they're going to really really make a big leap mm-hmm. and uh, be able to uh, uh, to go from there because I, I I see Kyler Murray being very successful being a very very uh, good leader and uh, that Arizona Cardinals team is going to be really good like they used to yeah I mean the the hard thing about this so that's is, my pick. Yeah, the hard thing about this is it's the NFC West is one of the it's going to be one of the tougher divisions this year. The 49ers are going to regress a little bit, but I can still see them going 9 and 7, 10 and 6 and challenging a lot of teams in close games. The Seahawks like we said, both of our we both predicted them to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, as our way too early predictions, so they're going to be a viable option as well. And then the Rams, Rams as well. They made it to the Super Bowl two years ago. They went nine seven this past year with a Super Bowl hangover kind of thing. But I expect them to regroup a little bit, get some stuff under under center, and uh, and push for another playoff push as well. So the NFC West is going to be really stacked. And so if the Cardinals want to get out of it, they're going to have to do a really good job of it. And I mean, I have the Cardinals down on my paper too as one of these teams that can make a push because they missed the playoffs this year. And the Rams, the Rams could be in the same kind of category as this. But Tyler Murray's entering a second season, one offensive rookie of the year this past year. And I think he's going to have a really spectacular sophomore season under Cliff Kingsbury. They're going to make use of his talents. Um, he's kind of like a mini, uh, no joke on the mini because he's short, but like a mini Lamar Jackson. He's a running guy. He has a really good arm. And if they can just get some offensive weapons around him, Larry Fitzgerald most likely will come back. I think he's already, I think he's already said he's coming back for another season. So he'll have that throw out wide. He's a little bit old, but he's still really good uh, working out wide. Still a really good wide receiver. And they'll just build it on their offense. Kenyon Drake came in midway through the season as a running back acquisition over trades. He did phenomenal down the stretch. David Johnson's rumored to be leaving the Cardinals and maybe going somewhere else, so Kenyon Drake might take the reins. And he did good for the past season. Maybe if they can build on that just a little bit, get a good rushing attack. And uh, the one thing they'll have to fix is going to be their defense because they're ranked 32nd in the defense. Vance Joseph coming in, he could still do a great job compared to last season, and we'll see where that goes. But, Tim, I'm going to mention here, um, talk a little bit about it with Jamison earlier before the show, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they missed the playoffs this year. Uh, they went 7-9. and nine. But they're an interesting team, and this is kind of like a speculation. I, I've been liking this team for a while. The defense has been an issue, really, but, I mean, they have, they have a spectacular offense under Bruce Arians. And two receivers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, over 1,000 yards. The running back situation is kind of iffy. They've been mostly a running uh, center team, but if they can just get a running back going in there, their defense is kind of weak, but the strong offense is just good enough. Bruce Arians is a good coach, and if they can bring in a guy other than Jameis Winston, they could possibly make a push. Um, Philip Rivers is a name to always watch out for. He's kind of been rumored to go to Tampa Bay or maybe Indianapolis, places like that, or maybe even retire. But if he was able to go to Tampa Bay, I think it'd be a good fit because you look at Bruce Arians back in the day when he was with the Cardinals when they acquired Carson Palmer from the Bengals. He was able to turn Palmer's career around for the last couple years of it, getting them to a Super Bowl, a fortunate loss to the Steelers that, that game. But he was able to work with an old quarterback in Carson Palmer. He could potentially be able to work with an old quarterback in Philip Rivers, kind of revitalize that career. And if they can get a good 
good year or two out of him, and then get those receivers working just the same way they did this past season, they can be an offense that could potentially lead to just maybe a playoff game, maybe a, a playoff win in the divisional round, but that's always a team to look out for too. And I'll mention one other one, and I feel like this is the elephant in the room when it comes to this discussion of teams missing the playoffs that can make the playoffs, make a really deep push. And I really hate to say this team's name because it's just a jinx, but the Dallas Cowboys are a team that missed the playoffs. Jameson's already Get shaking out his head of out of me. Get but out of here. If you want to put your money, if like, if like, I don't know if there's even a prop bet out there that says just pick a team uh, that has the best odds of, from missing the playoffs to making it, the Dallas Cowboys have to be at the top of that odds list because you see the offense they had built around them and they didn't make it all. They didn't even make the playoffs. They're they're bound to make it somewhere. Number one ranked offense in the NFL. They just fell short. Mostly due to their coaching staff, but they're completely revitalized. Mike McCarthy at head coach. Kellen Moore is still the offensive coordinator. And then especially their defense with Mike Nolan at the defense, and uh, and Joe Fazzle as their special teams coordinator. Those two, the special teams and the defense, was what was really killing them. They were like 32nd in punt average. They were one of the worst in the league as well in field goal percentage. So if they can just get that fixed a little bit. There's rumors they're going to be going after Greg Zerline in free agency this year. Maybe if they bring Kai Forbath in, whatever. They're all better than uh, than our previous kickers. So the Cowboys, I just, I just think it's an easy bet to make if you were to put this money on it, that the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs this next season. And in the NFC East, uh, I don't know how much you know about the NFC East, but pretty much since like 2004, 2005, there has not been a repeat champion in the NFC East since then. It's been like 15 straight years. And so it's, if we're just going off, based off history – Eagles aren't making aren't winning the East next year since they won it this year, so it has to be the Cowboys' turn or the Redskins or the Giants. But they're they're not those teams aren't going either. So I feel like an easy team to bet Dallas Cowboys. I didn't have them in the Super Bowl, and I don't ever dare pick the Cowboys win the Super Bowl because if that if I pick it, it ain't happening. So <laughs> which I mean, at, at, given it's this already point, not happening. It's already, maybe, but at this point, I'm not going to pick them. They might make it. Who knows? But I think they're going to be. There's going to be a better team than they were last year. Defense is going to be revitalized, especially in the draft. Whether they draft they uh, they get up they trade up for Jeff, Jeff Akuba or Jeff Akuda and the, or they get Xavier McKinney or, uh, or, or who was it, the safety from LSU, Delphit. So I think they're going to be a team to look out for. I uh, had the Buccaneers as well. Cowboys especially, though, that's the team I think that can go from missing the playoffs to making a deep run in the playoffs as well. And I, just think, I just think that's the easiest pick to make for that. Well, uh, Hayden, <laughs> I, I, I really do hate to break it to you, but I don't, I don't see it happening. I'm I'll take the Redskins or the Eagles over the Cowboys. Now, why would you say that? What, what's the, what, almost, uh, I wonder the reasoning behind the Redskins being better than the Cowboys. Uh, right no, I'm just joking about the Redskins. <laughs> but the, uh, honestly, the Eagles, I really like the Eagles. I, I'll, Everyone likes the Eagles over the Cowboys. That's yeah. just because they're not the Cowboys. Yeah, no one, no one likes the Cowboys. They're, I, I, don't even, I'm a, I don't even have to have a reason. It, my reasoning is I just don't want the Cowboys to win, and they're not. <laughs> um, People just so, don't like Cowboys fans being happy. <laughs> That's never, everyone hates it for no reason. I just, it's tough life. It's it's gonna be so much fun uh, watching uh, the Cowboys just go down in flames. I just I love I love to watch Jerry Jones mm-hmm. uh, sit up in that press box and get mad. I just I love yeah. to. I, I mean, they always show him. I mean, he they always show him. Yeah. And so I just I enjoy that. It's so <laughs> much fun. Uh, that's that's uh, one thing I've never gotten is that people that hate the Cowboys put more focus on our owner than the team itself. People hate the Cowboys because of our owner, and that's always weird to me because like I couldn't even tell you my opinion on. Any NFL owner other than Jerry Jones, like I don't, I could barely name one. Maybe besides Robert Kraft, who apparently goes to strip clubs in Florida and does illegal stuff there. That's something for another time. But besides that, I really don't have opinions under any other uh, any other team. Uh, I don't even hate the Patriots for Robert Kraft. I hate the Patriots just because they win all the damn time. So it's interesting <laughs> to see because like the Cowboys, I, I don't know the Jerry Jones people hate the Cowboys because of Jerry Jones. 
And that's just so interesting to me because they don't people don't have and, and, and people don't have opinions on other teams based off any other any other owner besides Jerry Jones. So I, I get you hating a team or get like not even you specifically, Jameson, but like mm-hmm, people yeah. in general hating a team because they're good or because they have a player who like is a criminal or something or any of that. But just hating a team based off the owner being himself is just it's just it's just an uh it's just something outside of my realm. Well, I've never I've never liked the Cowboys. I never will. I I would never in a million years like the Cowboys. I just I mean. Who wants to put a blue star on silver and white uniforms? I mean, I, I don't understand. I mean, who wants a star? And ugh, The Browns or, or, are just a color. Hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> better better than the ugly blue star. <laughs> mm, the blue's not bad. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, I, don't like the, I don't like the Browns either. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so, oh, man, the Cowboys are... Uh, they're. I don't. I don't see them making it. Maybe. Maybe in two they'll, years they'll make a Super Bowl in the next five years. It's almost guaranteed at this point. Are you sure about yeah, that? I'm. I'm pretty sure. It's, <laughs> it's about the, I think there might be a bet coming down. The later. Law, <laughs> a lot of like infinite possibilities. It's. It has to happen at some point. So it's going to happen. It's going to happen sooner rather than later, just because of the way they're. Oh, it doesn't play. have to. If the if Tom Brady's still playing, it's not happening. Tom Brady ain't playing in three years. Oh, he's, I he's think not playing so. by 2022. He's gonna be out of it. Oh, I, I think yeah. By 2022, he'll be like 45. Oh yeah, he 46. said he, uh, two years ago. He said he can play ten more years. He's, they, I mean, they're all going to say that. I don't, I don't think if he's even having retirement rumors now. Like, just think about it two years from now, especially if he loses in the wild card round a couple. Oh, times. he's not. Oh, he's not losing. I mean, he's going next to year. He's Super going. Bowl. He's winning next mm-hmm. year. He is winning he is the winning Super Bowl. It. Oh yeah. Not if Ryan Tannehill has anything to say about it. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill stopped him this year. Well, really, Derrick Henry stopped him this year. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill doesn't have a job after the draft. No, no uh, I think the Titans are going to stupidly yeah. resign him. Uh, He'll, he'll he'll be a backup for sure. Maybe. <laughs> Tom Brady. There's been rumors Tom Brady might go to the Titans though, which is yeah, that's not happening. That's been I think I think it's like 75 percent uh, Patriots, and then it's kind of you they divvy up the last 25 percent between like the Titans, the Raiders, the Chargers, and the kind of those guys. Because I mean, most likely I think he's going to the Patriots. So. Yeah, well, Super Bowl I, bound, Super Bowl bound or not, who knows? But yeah, they're they're Super Bowl bound. <laughs> uh, one thing's for sure, the Cowboys aren't. <laughs> I just, I, guys, I, as you can tell, I love giving Hayden a hard time about the Cowboys. I give uh, crap to no team ever, yeah. and all I get in return is crap towards my teams. Whether it's Kentucky, not from you, but from my other guy, from my other friends. Whether it's from Kentucky or Dallas, all I get is crap towards my teams. Even though I I put out no hate towards anybody else. I besides LSU or besides Louisville, that's it. But besides any other fan base, I don't UNC, hate UNC. Not UNC. You, I don't hate UNC as much. We have family in UNC. And I, don't, I, don't, I hate Duke more than UNC. Um, no, no, okay. Let me just. I just want to say the facts. Coach uh-huh. K is a way better coach than Roy Williams. I think he's better. I don't think he. There's as big of a gap as you say there is. But I, th- I, I think, think Coach K is better, but not by not by two too much. I, th- I think there's a bigger gap. What about, what about Coach Kyle Perry? Bill Self, uh, Mike Izzo, any of those guys you got opinions on? Yeah, they're all right. They're all right. They're not better than Coach K. They're better than Roy Williams? All of them? Mm, I, that's hard. That's hard. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, yeah. So, wait, <laughs> yeah. you're saying all of them are better than Roy Williams? <laughs> nah, they're not all better. Nah, Roy, Roy Williams is good. He's not great. Mm-hmm. He's not – I don't think I don't think he should go down in the history books or anything like that. But um, I, do, I do think Coach K is the best college football, <laughs> college basketball coach to ever walk the, this planet. Well, transitioning into it, like we're saying, Tom Brady going Super Bowl bound and all that. But another team that we both said are Super Bowl bound are the Seahawks. And Greg Olson did sign a, one, a one-year, $7 million deal with him just this past last night, I think. It was last night, last afternoon, something like that. 
like that. So, uh, Jamison, we're running out of time here. We'll hit this real quick. What are your opinions on this? Uh, his impact? I mean, we both had him going to the Super Bowl, so obviously he's going to have some impact. What do you think he's going to bring? Absolutely to the table? incredible. Absolutely, this is a great move. A great move for the Seahawks. Pete Carroll, I could not be. I could not be more happier. Um, uh, Craig Olson is going to be nothing but another asset to that that incredible quarterback that Pete Carroll has mm-hmm. uh, sitting sitting in the backfield, and so I think Greg Olson is going to be a huge. I mean, look what they did with uh, with uh, Hollister last year, mm-hmm. and so I think this is just going to be another asset. Greg Olson, he's a really good blocker, and so that that that's what that makes us understand that they're going to be heavy on the run game, you know, because Greg Olson is a great blocking tight end, and so if you bring in a great blocking tight end, they're going to be ready to run the ball, mm-hmm. and so that's just going to that's just going to help Russell Wilson throw the ball more. I think this is a great ass, asset to the um, uh, the Seahawks. Yeah, they did really good with Will Dilsley before he got had the ACL injury and then Jacob Hollister coming in. They both did well. Put up about 300 and 200 around those yards, respectively. Um, Greg Olson's coming in this past season with the, with, the, uh, with the Panthers and a pretty down year for him and some other guys. 52 receptions, 597 yards, two touchdowns this past year. So he brings in a lot to the table. I mean, almost 600 yards receiving this past year. Only two other Seattle Seahawks players had even more than 350 receiving yards. So he definitely brings another option to the table for Russell Wilson. Greg Olson honestly has like two or three years left to him, and they only signed him to a one-year deal. Really cheap. I think it's a really good move for them, and it'll help them get towards the Super Bowl, whether they do do away with Hollister or Dillisley or they keep one or the other, whatever works with that, depending on Will Dillisley's ACL injury and all that. I think it's a great move for him. He brings talent, respect, uh, professionalism, all that to the locker room. I mean, if he goes into the locker room, he's he's won a super, or he's been to a Super Bowl already, and so those Seattle Seahawks will respect uh, Greg Olson, and he will certainly be helpful towards Seahawks in our picks of eventual Super Bowl runs. So. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a really good asset and just a really, really good um, help for Russell Wilson. Guys, uh, this has been an awesome Wednesday. Uh, we are always here, right here on uh, XLR Lander University Radio. Uh, we are off the bench. Uh, guys, we're wrapping up our show. We really appreciate you tuning in. It means so much that you listen. Uh, we put a lot of hard work into this show. And so thank you guys so much if you listen. And um, and if you uh, if you always are commenting and liking, liking our posts, following us. Uh, but again, make sure uh, on all of our social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are off the bench XLR. Uh, so search us in the search bar. Follow us. Like us. Um, you know, message us. Um, share us. Um, whatever. Comment on our pages. And as well as well as uh, we're on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Apple. Um, Podcast, have yeah. a podcast, and so you make sure if you miss a show, I miss a segment, or if you just want to uh, listen, re-listen to us again, uh, just make sure you tune in, search us, and type in "off the bench," and uh, we're the black, green, and uh, white, uh, uh, the white little icon, if mm-hmm. you will. But guys, thank you so much. It's been such an honor uh, talking to you guys. We're a 100% sports talk show. We'll be right back here next Wednesday from 4 to 6 p.m. So make sure make sure you set your calendars uh, for 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, but anyways, guys, as always, uh, stay in the game off the bench, uh, as always. Uh, so thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it, and we are signing off.
With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.